Mr. Pissy Pants is, 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 you know, like my, my panties are going to be in a wad if I don't get out there and get my miles in, uh, you know, maybe I can miss a day or two, but like, I can't miss very many. Diz Runs Radio episode 1147 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well then. Here we are. April is winding down. Hopefully the April showers are drying up. The Mayflowers are coming. And uh, before before the Mayflowers get here, let's do a little Q&A, shall we? We do this every month. You know that if you've been around for a while, but if you're new around here, uh, this is a, a monthly, end of the monthly tradition, the last Friday of every month dedicated to your questions. And with a little bit of luck, maybe a useful answer or two. Make no promises but that is at least the goal. So before we get into the questions, though, I've got to pay a couple bills. Today's episode is sponsored by the folks over at AminoCo, which uh, we've been talking about AminoCo for a while now. We're going to keep talking about AminoCo for, for a little while more uh, because I like what they do. Amino, amino acid supplementation, good for the body, building blocks for the cells, definitely a useful piece of the puzzle. And uh, you know, if supplements are, are something that you're into, uh, maybe a little pre-workout, little hitter, maybe a little post-workout kind of recovery type of something to help with that side of things. Amino Co. has you covered in the, the link there to, to let them know that you're coming to them via this podcast is Dizruns. I'm sorry, is AminoCo.com slash Dizruns. I'm so used to everything just coming out, Dizruns.com slash, but this one, it's AminoCo, A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash disruns and there's a discount code there disrun saves you 30 percent on any purchase that you make so get yourself some some recovery blend a little a little chocolate maybe maybe mix that in with your post run coffee not saying just saying not a bad option not a bad option um but you know different flavors available get what works for you and if you're not really keen on any of the flavors you know just don't be afraid to to, to get a little crazy with the uh, the concoctions when you're when you're putting things together, maybe mix a little, little little orange juice in there. You know, mix it with water and some some juice. Uh, mix it in with a smoothie, whatever works for you. Uh, but give your body that what it needs, and uh, you know, you can get it through obviously through through regular diet. Um, but if you want a little extra extra supplementation, AminoCo, ten out of ten would recommend AminoCo.com/slash/dizruns. Uh, so today, like I said, your questions, my answers. And uh, as always, the best way to get your questions submitted to a future Q&A episode is via the Facebook group. Uh, Dizruns.com slash Facebook is the link. Or the next time that you're on the Book of Faces scrolling around, just point your browser over to... Or I'm sorry, just just do the search in the Facebook you know app itself. Search for the Dizruns tribe. Ask to join. We'll let you in. And then somewhere mid-month, I put out a post that says, What are your questions this month? You respond... And that's how we uh, get to where we are today. And you you responded this month. I, I should have known it was coming last couple months. Felt like felt like the question load was a little bit light. Not this month. Not this month. Who knows how long we're going to go today. Um, I'm not predicting that we're going to set any new uh, records for longest Q&A episode ever. But I'm not going to be shocked if we do. We'll see how it all shakes out. 
Um, so let's get started, shall we? First question this month from Jackie. Any explanation for why a person can hate the treadmill, but like Peloton, but like the Peloton bike, since neither actually goes anywhere? I feel I feel somewhat attacked here, Jackie. But I feel like you're a good person, so I don't I don't I don't know if you're actually attacking me. But then Kate jumps in. Good old Kate jumps in, and she's definitely a good person, but also definitely attacking me. To pile onto Jackie's question, Kate adds. Any explanation why a person can like the Peloton but have no desire to ride a bike out in the real world? Ahem, ahem. Yeah, so we'll kind of tackle both of these at the same time. And, and honestly, like like, like I said, I feel attacked because I should feel attacked with this. Y'all know where I stand on the treadmill as far as I do not stand on the treadmill. I do not run on the treadmill. I do not, I do not treadmill in a house. I will not treadmill with a mouse. Um, but the, the spin bike? Yeah, I'm down with the spin bike. In fact, I prefer that. Um, over like a proper ride. Now, I, you know, I ride the bike around the neighborhood. I ride the bike to uh, pick Addison up after school sometimes, take the scooter up for her, and I ride the bike, and then she scooters home. You know, I ride the bike sometimes to the pool. I'll ride the bike to the – we have a community garden where I'm growing growing some crops, and I'll, I'll ride the bike over there to, um, you know, to water, to, to do a little bit of work there. But in terms of like taking the bike out on the open road, yeah, no thanks. No thanks. And I think, I think for me – I don't, I don't know that I would have ever said that it comes down to safety, but like, I think it kind of comes down to safety. Like, I, I don't know what it is about feeling more comfortable running on the road. Um, but like, I feel comfortable running on it, even on a busy road, even on a busy road without, I mean, I ideally with a little bit of a shoulder, I'm not going to go crazy and, and, you know, just throw caution to the wind by running on a, a busy road with no shoulder. But like, I know drivers are what drivers are. And I know the issues that we have with them. But I just feel like when I'm running against traffic and like I'm, I'm paying attention, I'm aware, like I can jump, I, I feel comfortable, you know, jumping into the ditch while running. Um, I feel less comfortable doing that on the road uh, with a bike, you know, like r- riding the bike, uh, bailing out, having the riding with traffic. So now I've got cars zooming up behind me. Um, just, just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, and, and I totally get the, the boredom factor of like, well, if you're running on a treadmill, you're not going anywhere. So why does riding on a spin? I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just works better for me. Um, and I, I don't have a good reason. I, I, I don't, I don't have a good reason why I like the, the spin bike. Don't like the treadmill. Um, you know, I guess, I guess it's just one of those personal preferences, right? Uh, that, that doesn't make any sense. Fully admit that it doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's, you know, one of my, one of my many peculiarities that makes me such a absolute delight. Yes, I am claiming to be a delight. You're welcome. You know I'm a delight. Y'all love me. I am a delight. Um, and in part, part of the reason that I'm so delightful is because I hate the treadmill, love the spin bike, even though that makes zero sense. So I don't know if that, that I'm sure that doesn't answer your question, Jackie, because I don't, I, there is no good answer. It doesn't make sense. It just is what kind of works for me. So thanks for the question, my lady. Thanks for piling on, Miss Morgan. Ugh, piling on, Miss Morgan. Anyway, y'all have yourselves a good one. Thanks for the questions. Uh, first, er, first of many questions now. Not the first question, but the first question from Rob. He's got three or four questions here in a chunk. First one from Rob. How long can someone stay in peak physical condition throughout the year before they need to regress and recover and then build back up? Um, I mean, I kind of feel like this this answer, the, the question almost answers itself. Because by definition, peak physical condition means you can't stay there very long. 
you know, I don't, I don't know what the, the exact time frame would be. I, I'm sure there's some physiological study that, that you could point to. Um, but those are probably in like peak, you know, like, um, peak competitive athletes or in like very controlled laboratory environments, not in the real world. Um, but like, I don't, I, you know, a week, two weeks, something like that. I mean, staying, staying in peak, peak, peak condition by definition is it's like, it, it can't happen for very long or else you're not at the peak, right? Then you'd be at a plateau. If you're there, if you're at peak condition for months, well, well, my friend, you're not at a peak anymore. You're just on a, you're just on a flat. <laughs> you're just, you're just on a plateau. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what the exact time frame is, um, I don't, I don't know that anybody knows. And it certainly is. It's probably one of those. It depends answers where it, it varies from not only from person to person, but it's going to vary for you, Rob. And it's going to vary for me from, you know, peaking for, for one race and two years later training to peak for something else. And like, maybe, maybe before we could hold on to it for 10 days and this time it's 45 minutes and, and like, who knows? Um, but I, I think that, that what, what you, what, what, maybe what the answer you're trying to get to is, you know, how long, how many races maybe can you run while you're at, at peak condition? And, and I, I don't, I mean, one, one, if you're lucky, like, like it's, it's tough to get that real peak training peak condition to then line up with a race. I mean, that, that's, that's, if only it was that easy, if only we could go 16 weeks or 18 weeks or what, like, man, that it don't work like that. So, um, I don't even worry about trying to get to peak condition, honestly. Like I like I want to get close because you can maintain close to peak fitness for a bit longer. You got a little bit wider window, um, but peak peak, whew, short lived, my friend, short lived. Um, next question from Rob: In your quest to run the states, do you? I'm um, sorry. Do the does the marathon have to be an organized event, or do solo S and G runs count? I've never considered it, but by chance, I have a handful of states completed with a West Coast road trip approaching in coming in upcoming years. Would you consider an ultra qualifying as a marathon in that state as well? So, I mean, I think, and I haven't really looked into it, Rob, but there is there is like an official 50 states group or organization or something. Um, and, and so they could make the, the ultimate determination in terms of what counts, what doesn't. I'm pretty sure that an SNG would not count for them. I'm pretty sure that a, an ultra would assuming that it was something that you ran all at once, you know, not like a backyard type of thing where, or like a four by four by 48 or something like that, where you're running 50 miles, but you're really only running only running, you know, four miles every, every hour or every four hours or whatever kind of thing shakes out. Uh, but if you're running it all at once, like, I mean, I feel like that would count that said, if you're not worried about like official, like I got a t-shirt from this organization type of status, uh, I think you can make your own, your own rules. You know, like, I feel like I can make my own rules. Um, and, and at, at this moment, my rules are, it needs to be an organized race. Um, probably a standalone marathon. Um, it could be a trail marathon, could be a road marathon. Um, at this point, I'm not ready to say that a 50 K would, would count for me. But this is, this is a you do you type of situation. You know, if, if, if you're cool with like, yeah, I ran a marathon in every state. And even though it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't one that I paid for, I ran 26.2 miles. Well, I'm not here to tell you that doesn't count. I'm certainly not going to tell you that. Um, I, I feel like it's very much a, you, you, you can, you can call the shots. You can make it your own rules. Um, you can even make it, you know, just, I mean, some people have just like, and I say just, of course, just as all in quotations here, but you know, I just want to run. I want to run 
a mile in every state. And some of them they've run hundreds of miles. And some of them it's like step out of the car when you're driving through Rhode Island and you run your mile and you get back in. And 10 minutes later, you're in Connecticut and you read out, you run your mile. And 15 minutes later, you're in, you know, Massachusetts and get out and run your mile. And there you go. Three states in an hour, you know, and that, and for them that counts. So, you know, make, make your own rules. But for me, it definitely needs to be a, a an actual race. Probably a road marathon would be my preference. Um, but your mileage may vary on setting your own rules for your own, your own challenges, your own quests. I mean, it's your own quest. So you set your own rules and what counts and what doesn't. And I'm not going to second guess it at all. Uh, next question. Also from Rob in my last marathon, several quote unquote, non-official aid stations slash water, uh, stops supported by city residents stopped, uh, were set up and offered pickle juice. I've never come across this but this was at least three different spots. Is there a benefit to it or is it just a quote unquote thing that I haven't come across? So, so this is one of those, as I, as I understand it, Rob, the, the pickle juice scenario is one of those old wives tales that actually has some, some, some substance to it. So I can't remember where, where I, I saw this, read this, heard this somewhere, but somewhere relatively scientific or at least pseudoscientific, um, it's not the pick, it's not the pickle juice itself that that does anything, um, although I guess it kind of it's vinegar. Uh, there is something in vinegar, um, some component chemical of of, the, of of you know what makes up vinegar that helps reduce and relieve cramps. So you know towards the later stages of these races, you feel like you might be cramping up. Uh, it's it is kind of a wives' tale of like just take a shot of pickle juice, but because of the vinegar that's in the pickle juice, it helps to. Uh, relieve the cramps as quick as just about anything else. Um, so that, so that's the science to it. A little bit of wives tale, but again, kind of one of those where, where the wives tale has some actual truth to it. Um, and, and I've heard like, I feel like it's a Southern thing. I, I don't feel like I've heard too much about pickle juice growing up in Michigan, but when I got down here for college, when I got down here and, and, you know, studying athletic training, or I guess down, down in Florida, down there, um, it was something that, you know, like the high schools, like, like the, the football team would have, um, you know, some, some pickle juice on the sideline, just in case anybody started cramping up here, take a shot of pickle juice. And I was like, what in the hell are y'all talking about? Um, uh, but it was like, it was like a thing that people in the South did. Um, so I don't know if it's, if it's made its way North, if you were farther South, uh, whatever, but it is, it is fairly common practice. I think, especially in like some ultras, some trail running type of things. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoy a pickle once in a while, especially at an ultra aid station. Um, uh, but I've seen them have the shots of pickle juice set up and I, respectfully pass on the shot of pickle juice. But if you can stomach it, if, you, if some people like it, but that vinegar is what you're after. And supposedly that helps with the cramps. If, if cramping up is becoming an issue for you. So there's that last but not least from Rob's questions this month. Have you ever considered being a depends undergarments affiliate? You can definitely plug them throughout your podcasts. And with the limited toilets on the sides of roads these days, they could come in handy on your long runs. Oh, Rob, you got jokes, don't you? Although, you know, like, no, I've never considered it. Can't even say that it would depend if I would consider it. Um, but if they wanted to, you know, write a check and, and me somehow sponsor, be, be, have a sponsor of uh, Depends, I mean, I say it depends enough. Uh, we've got our own drinking game. Maybe maybe there's there's the, the angle, right? We've got the It Depends drinking game. And if you're, if you're playing a drinking game while wearing your Depends, hey, you know, that, that kind of potentially helps with, uh, you know, what goes in, what goes out type of scenario. So, I mean, I like the way you think, Rob. 
I don't think it's something I'm going to pursue. But, you know, if, if, if somebody wanted to make some calls or somebody's got some connections and, uh, you know, we want to make something like that happen, I'm not, I'm not going to say no. Uh, I'll at least, I'm not guaranteed to say yes. I'm not, I don't just show myself out to every, you know, Joe Blow that invades my, my email inbox going, we've got this great offer. Like, you don't, it's not a great offer. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, but I would listen. I would listen. And I'll, you know, I say it depends enough. So, yeah, I think, I, you know, I mean, you got jokes, but yeah, there's also something there. So maybe, maybe. Thanks for the questions, my friend. Hope, hope your uh, year is going well so far. Next question from Hildy. What are some good moves to prepare your legs and joints for a hilly trail run? Um, I mean, at, at the risk of, of potentially sounding dismissive, Hildy, um, I think running, run, like it's hard to do better to prepare for a, a hilly run than to run more hills. Uh, you know, you could make it out, you do some strength training, you could do some, some squats and some lunges or maybe climb stairs, things like all those things are helpful. Um, but if you're going to like run hills, whether it's roads or trails, um, there's, there's a certain amount of it that a certain piece of the puzzle that's all about feeling comfortable, especially running the downhill. And I'm not sure that you can really feel comfortable running downhill without running downhill. Um, otherwise it's, it's, you, you sit back and you slam on the brakes and you slam your quads. And like, that's where you, you really beat yourself up running, running hills or running at least downhills. And, uh, I mean, I think it just comes with practice and, and, and I think that practicing on the trail is tough because there's roots and the, the ground can be a little bit loose or rocks or whatever. Um, so running, if you can find a, a hilly ish, it doesn't need to be like massive hills, but just somewhere where there's some, some declines that you can run down. Uh, on the road can help you feel comfortable running downhill. And then if the trail conditions are, are well, you know, clear enough that you feel comfortable enough with your footing going downhill that you can bomb down the hill, then you bomb down the hill. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like, like I said, any type of lower body strengthening exercises, things like that. Those are all helpful. Those are all just helpful for running in general. Um, but you know, I mean, it's, 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 I'm not sure that there's a good way to prepare for your legs and your joints for, running on hills than to run on hills. Obviously start smaller. If you can start with fewer numbers of hills, maybe a, a less of a decline or incline, you know, start with gradual hills. Um, but you kind of just kind of just have to have to do it in order to feel comfortable doing it. If that makes sense. So thanks for the question, lady. next from the great Pacific Northwest, Miss Thessaly chiming in may is bicycle safety month. Since we already talked about me not wanting to ride my bike on the roads, uh, since running is also theoretically an outside activity, what safety tips do you have for being active outdoors? So, I mean, you know, I don't have anything earth shattering to offer here. And, and, and really like I am not good at any type of common sense safety advice for being outdoors. Like I don't wear sunscreen. I put headphones in when I'm running on the roads. Um, I don't wear reflective clothing while running in the dark. Um, I mean, I don't do anything right. So do as I say, not as I do, I guess, you know, wear your sunscreen. Um, try to avoid the hottest part. I do try to avoid the running in the hottest parts of the day. So maybe try to do that. Um, obviously running against traffic or, or, you know, at least running or riding on the appropriate side of the road. Uh, but if you're running, you know, being on the, on the, 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 the left side against traffic, um, or up on the sidewalks, things like that. Um, obviously just being aware, being, whether you're wearing, you know, headphones or not, um, being, being like, I am relatively aware 
um, in terms of like, you know, if you're running through residential areas, like I'm always assuming that any car is going to back out of its driveway and the driver's not going to be paying attention. Um, because I know that happens. I mean, shoot, I've been the guy that's backed out of the driveway and almost hit a runner before. I mean, obviously not going fast, but it's like, Oh shit. Like I just didn't see him. And I was looking, but you know, I mean, it's, it's, it just happens sometimes. So like I'm always trying to be defensive, always trying to assume that the cars aren't paying attention. Um, you know, scanning out in front, looking for, for hazards, things I might trip on, which doesn't always, doesn't always mean that I'm not going to catch my toe on a crack on the sidewalk. Lord knows been there, done that. Uh, but just trying to be, be aware, um, obviously. And, and I know I've kind of had this conversation before in various forms, but like as a dude, um, there's, there's a certain level of like, meh, I'll be fine that, you know, some of, some of y'all, especially the ladies might not feel as comfortable with going out by yourself. So that's where maybe you don't have the headphones or you just put one, one ear in and one ear out or, you know, whatever, whatever helps you feel like you're aware of your surroundings, maybe strength in numbers, you know, can you run with a group? Can, can that be, be something that's part of it? Or at least run in an area that's pretty well populated, a, you know, commonplace downtown or whatever, where even if you're running solo, there's people all over the place. So theoretically you can feel a little bit more comfortable that nothing crazy is going to happen because there's a bajillion witnesses and people that could help you out if needed. Um, but I mean, I think that, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, and, and I, I don't mean this dismissively, but like being not putting yourself in a situation that you, that you would feel uncomfortable. So, you know, for me, some of the places that I might run and feel relatively comfortable, if you don't, then, then don't run there, you know, or don't ride your bike there. Um, be aware obviously is huge. Just pay attention. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I'm not, I am not the world's best at being safe when I go out. Um, you know, I don't, I don't tell Rebecca what time I'm planning to come back. I don't like, I just go and she doesn't like that very often, especially if I'm going like long, like, like if, you know, I'm, I normally do 15 miles for my long runs, but every once in a while I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll do 20 this week. Well, that's going to be an extra hour. Um, and like, I don't say anything and I just go. And then she's like, where the, are you okay? Like what's going on? I'm like, oh yeah. You know, I just ran, uh, uh, I ran 20 miles this weekend. She's like, well, you could have told me. I was like, yeah, I mean, I could have, but like, it didn't even, it doesn't even dawn on me to say anything. Like I'm just out running. Like I'll be fine. Um, so yeah, do, do everything that I don't do. That's probably the best way to, um, be safe outdoors. Of course, you could be like you, Thessaly. I love, I love you slid in there. Theoretically, running is an outdoor activity because we all know you have the treadmill princess. Um, but, you know, you got to be safe on the treadmill, too. You don't want to get that that belt burn, you know, so so be safe. Be safe. But thanks for the question. Hopefully, uh, everybody is a little bit safer than I am because I am not safe. And I, I, I don't say that braggadociously. It's just I'm just dumb like that. Uh, for sure. Next question from Russ. Is it possible to spend too much time running in zone one? I was evaluating my last training cycle and it seems like I spent too much time in zone one and maybe that is holding back my progress. So, um, man, Russ, this, this is definitely a, your mileage may vary type of question, but I would say, no, there's no such thing as too much time in zone one. And I would say that there's no way that being too much in zone one held back your progress. Now that you could make an argument, you know, that, that zone one and zone two are both, are both aerobic training zones, um, which I mean, they are. And so you might get more bang for your buck. If you're, if you're in zone two a bit more and zone one is more warm up, and then you kind of settle in at zone two and cruise. Cause you're, you're pushing the higher level of aerobic training. And so you might get a little bit more out of it. And like, I don't know that you'd be wrong, 
But like, I mean, you're building aerobic fitness in zone one, just like you're building aerobic fitness in zone two. And of all the things that could be holding you back or of all the things that, that, um, might, might be limiting the progress that you're making and, and without knowing all your training and all of the details and yada, yada, yada. Um, I just think that that's, that that's like, it's possible, I suppose, but man, you know, like how is how is your sleep? How is your strength training? How is your recovery? How is your running form? Like, like there's a bajillion other things that I think would be more likely to be limiting your progress than like, I spent 50% of my time in zone one and 50% in zone two. Should I have spent 75 and 25? Like, I mean, or whatever your, your proportions might be. You do a little dispute. So maybe it's, you know, 50 in zone one and, and 30 in zone two. And then the other time was doing, you know, harder workouts, but that when you're 80%, you're 50 and 30. Would, should I have been 40, 40? Should I have been 30? Like, I mean, you're splitting hairs and maybe, but like the, the, the bang to buck for, for going a little bit more there. Like, I don't think shifting of shifting some from, from zone one to zone two, like, I mean, maybe, but there's probably other potentially other areas that would get you further along than, than, you know, worrying about my heart rate was at whatever, 121 versus at 127. Like you're, you're, you're building your aerobic fitness either way. And that's, that's the key from this guy who's a heart rate training disciple. So take it for what you think it might be worth or not, whatever. Um, but it's also why I don't worry about zones. Like I just have a number, like I have my math number, 139, stay below that. We're good. If I'm in the hundred, like the 100s to 110s, like, okay. You know, if I'm in the, the, the 118s, 125s, 135 range, that's okay too. You know, like I, I don't, I don't stress about it and I feel like it hasn't held me back. But I'm in an equals one, so there's that. But um, I think that that again, I, I think that maybe look at some other aspects of your training from the last cycle, and see if there's other things that stand out that like, oh yeah, maybe maybe you know I was only sleeping six hours a night. Maybe that would help you more. Because not saying that that's the case, because I don't know. But just as an option, look at those types of things, and maybe maybe there's some some other. Um, lower hanging fruit that would have more of an impact on your next training cycle. Uh, but thank you for the question, my friend. Uh, next question from Kate, not Kate Morgan from Kate McKenzie. Kate asks, do you have any tips and advice for coming back to running post-pregnancy? I am one week out from being cleared to start exercising again. And I am a little bit nervous. So Kate, first of all, um, you know, congratulations on, on, on the baby and hope everything's going well with, with, uh, you know, just, just, I don't know if it's your first child or not. I'm kind of thinking that maybe it is, uh, just based on, you know, if you, if you've been there, done that before, maybe you wouldn't be asking this question, but if it's, if it's your, not that every pregnancy is the same, of course, I'm not trying to say that, but just whatever. Congratulations on the, on the new addition to the family. Hope, hope everything's going well on that front. And I'm glad that you're excited about getting back into, into training and running and working out and all those types of things. Um, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing, and, and obviously I'm, this is coming from a dude's perspective who's never had a baby, but who's, you know, my wife has had a baby. So I've, I've seen it a little bit, haven't lived it. So it's hard for me to, you know, to, to know all of the, all of the things that you're kind of going through and how you're feeling and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I, I feel like at the risk of dumbing this down more so than I already have, um, it's, it's almost, I mean, it's not the same. I, I recognize 
that coming back from having a baby is not the same as coming back from another injury or a layoff of running or what, but treat it kind of the same way in terms of don't rush the process. Listen to your body err on the side of caution. So maybe, maybe more walking, even if you've never done run walk before, maybe you do some type of run walk situation. Maybe you quote unquote, just plan to walk for a week or two just to be up and moving and, and on your feet and more than just walking around the house, things but like an intentional, you know, walking, getting after it on the walking front. Um, you know, and just, and just how does your body feel? And if, you know, the first walk or something like that, like everything feels good and you want to mix in a, a running interval for a block, then do it. And if you're like, yeah, you know, I don't know, then don't. Um, but I think, I think the biggest tip, and again, for anybody coming back from any type of extended layoff, but especially coming back from how amazing your body is to be able to grow a human being inside of it and, and spit it out. And then, you know, six weeks later or eight weeks later, however long it's been like back to, to running again, it's just give yourself grace, give yourself grace in terms of like, you don't have to be right back to, you know, pre-pregnancy running form and fitness in six weeks or in eight weeks or in eight years, you know, like your body is different now than it was before the baby. And it's, it's, it's a, it's obviously it's okay. It's normal. It's natural, all those things, but it's, I think it's kind of unfair speaking as a dude. So again, whatever it's worth, but I think it's unfair to try to hold it to, or hold yourself to some type of standard of like, well, back when I was, you know, whatever, five years ago, I could do X and, at any point after, you know, from here going forward to try to feel like you have to measure up to that again, like your body's different. Your, your hips might be probably are wider. They open up like all of the changes that go on with your body, um, can and do impact running. Does that mean you can't run, should run? Obviously not. Um, but just, just give yourself grace and give yourself permission to, you know, progress slowly and, and change goals. If you want to change goals or, or whatever. Um, but just ease back in, take it slow, um, and just, just embrace getting back out there and, and as different as things might be, or as, as much of a struggle as it might be, you know, maybe it could be a great time if you've got a, if you've got a good jogging stroller and you can get out and run with the baby and it could be a great time for y'all to just get outside. I mean, just embrace this phase of running for whatever, it, however it shakes out to be for you. Um, and, and if slash when you get back to more quote unquote, you know, to, to kind of closer to, to previous form to, to where you were pre baby. Great. If you never do, great. Continue to be healthy. Continue to, to be active. Continue to, to show your 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 little one the example of mom takes care of herself and mom runs and mom, and, and that's important to, to you. Um, and be that example. And congratulations, congratulations. Um, for better advice, please feel free to to post up in the group um, questions for for the ladies in the group that have been there, done that before. Because obviously every, every, you know, like I said earlier, every pregnancy is obviously going to be different and every, every woman's experience postpartum is going to be different. Um, but I know Rebecca will be, I'll throw her under the bus. She'll chime in. She'll, she'll, she'll give you her story. Um, I know Kate Morgan replied to your comment here and said, Hey, I'm always down to talk about those things. So, you know, she's, she's a great resource. She's done it three times. Um, so, and I know other ladies that are in the group that, that have kids that have, have come back and run and then gotten pregnant again and taken time. Like there's plenty, plenty of women in the group that are more than happy to share their, their, their experiences. So please at any point, And of course, I mean, again, at any point from right now, when you're first getting back into it to a year from now, you know, whenever at any point, like, Hey, hey lady, you know, when you, whatever it is related to anything running related, baby related, postpartum breastfeeding, all the things, please Kate chime into the group, uh, ask a question. And I know you'll get a lot of, a lot of great feedback. 
uh, it'll hopefully help you figure out the right process for you. But thank you for the question. Follow-up question. Do you have some previous episodes where you have covered this topic or interviewed runners and talked about running after pregnancy? I definitely do. Um, I, I wrote down a few show, show notes numbers uh, and they've been, a, it's been a while. Maybe this is something we need to revisit a little bit more. Although, although spoiler alert, Kate Morgan is going to be on the show soon. I don't know how much post-pregnancy, uh, yeah, post-pregnancy stuff, postpartum stuff we'll get into because we got a lot of, a lot of ground to cover when she comes on the show. Um, but maybe, maybe it'll come up. I don't know. We'll see. But in, in all seriousness, if you go back to the, if you go to the website, Kate, and you, and you search for like postpartum, pregnancy, motherhood, things like that. And there's, there's a little search bar on the website. You'll get a bunch of different episodes that cover it to various degrees. It comes up in the conversation here and there. Um, you, you probably have dozens of episodes that you can, you can listen to, but three of them that really kind of stood out to me when I was searching back. Uh, one is Danielle Barker, uh, episode 914. Um, she may have another, another baby now since we, since we talked a few years ago, but she had five kids at the time. Um, so she's, she's been there, done that a bunch of times with having a baby, getting back into running, getting pregnant again, running through pregnancy, having a baby, like she's been there, done that. So that's, that's, and that was, we talked a lot about her pregnancies and, and postpartum and all that kind of stuff, uh, in that episode. So that's episode 914, episode 585 with Susie Slane talking about kind of postpartum and, and mental health and getting back into running. Uh, she also has uh, three or four kids, something like that. Um, she said blended, blended family. So I can't remember exactly how many kids are hurt, whatever. Uh, but she's a great resource and she's super open. I, Susie's one of my, I've got a couple Susie's that I've met through the podcast that I absolutely love. And Susie Slane is one of them. Um, so check her out episode 585 and then Celeste, uh, Celeste Goodson is, we talked about it a bit, but she also is, is a, um, uh, a physical therapist that has created a, a program called Recore Fitness, uh, that's d- designed towards helping, um, you know, pelvic floor, things like that, postpartum, uh, to, to really strengthen the core, um, to, to get back to just being active running and, and otherwise. And, and Rebecca actually went through her program, uh, after Addison was born. Um, so, so that could be a, a good resource as well. And a good episode. And that was episode 389. So 914-389-585, um, are three episodes of many that we've, that, that we've discussed postpartum running. So thank you for the question, Kate. And, uh, again, just give yourself grace and, and hope that you have a smooth transition back into running. Uh, next question from Kenton. What is your experience been with the Galloway method? Admittedly, Kenton, very, very minimal. Um, I've never really done much in terms of, of dedicated run, walk, proper Galloway planning and, and training. Um, I've run with a couple of folks who have done that. And, and one time stands out, I was run, running with a friend. She was down visiting, uh, Disney and, and I went up to run with her. She was training for, uh, maybe her first marathon. We, she had like a long run. Um, and I went up and we were doing something like maybe 30 seconds on 30 seconds off or 30 seconds of running one minute of walking, something like that. Um, and like, I just, I just, I struggled with it because like, I felt like I could never get into a groove. Like we just start running and then we'd walk again and we just start running and then we'd walk again. Um, and it just, it just wasn't ideal for me. doesn't mean that it's not ideal for other people. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. I have done a few times for I, I, one or two marathons and certainly for a couple of my ultras where like I've planned walk breaks, but they haven't been, I mean, you could make an argument it's Galloway method, but it's, it's kind of probably less Galloway and more of just like strategic walking. So it'd be like, I'm going to walk a mile every 5k or I'm going to walk a mile. I'm not, sorry, not walk a mile, walk a minute every 5k or walk, a, walk a minute every mile or something like that. Um, and that that's worked for me a little bit better. Where I'm able to run a little bit longer, uh, but still 
chunk it down, take that little bit of a break, catch my breath, bring the heart rate back down just a little bit, um, and, and hopefully save some gas for the later stages of these longer races. So I, I think it's, I think it's very much viable. There's no, there's no question you can run fast with, with a, a run walk in. I mean, I, I know people qualify for Boston with run walk. Um, now, you know, maybe their, their, their intervals are eight minutes of running and 30 seconds of walking or 20 seconds of walking or whatever, but it works for them. It's just enough of a break, but then they get going again. Um, so I, you know, play with it, try it out. If, it, if you can find a good interval that works for you. Awesome. If not awesome, you know, one of the beauties of running is that you can make it, make it very much your own in terms of how you, how you get to go about training, what your goals are, things like that. And Galloway is, is a viable option. Obviously it works for tons and tons of runners. Um, so try it out. And if it works for you, keep on, keep it on. Thanks for the question, my friend. Next question from Cole. Been a while since we've heard from you cars. I don't know. It's been a while since I've, since I've, since I've, I've heard from you, Cole. It's good to hear from you, my friend. Hopefully things are well, uh, in your end of the world. Um, question. I've recently started some heart rate training. Welcome to the club, my friend. Uh, but I find the hills where I live to impede me in keeping my heart rate low. Other than slowing down to a walk, how can I keep my heart rate low enough to reap the benefits? Um, I mean, this is, this is, this is classic heart rate training struggles, you know? And, and, um, I think that a big part of it is just swallowing your pride and slowing down. Um, you know, whether it's slowing down, um, to a walk, whether it's slowing down maybe before you get to the hill, cause you know that the hill is going to bring your heart rate up a little bit. So you, you slow down before that to bring your heart rate, you know, back from kind of right where your, your threshold is. Maybe you bring it down 15 or 20 beats below that by just slowing down your run. So you can kind of hopefully keep it, keep it in check all the way up the hill. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not, there's not, there's not a massive secret. Like it's, it's slow down. That said, some things that can get in the way, or at least can make it more difficult. You know, if you're having coffee or caffeine before your run, um, I mean, that speeds up the heart rate, right? So it's going to, it's going to impact you, especially when you're working on, on going up the hills, things like that. You're just going to have a harder time keeping your heart rate down. Um, so if you can avoid the coffee before a run or, or anything like that, um, you know, if you run fasted, if you're, if you're eat, if your body is actively digesting, that is a intense process, even though we don't like to think, we don't think of it as being intense metabolically it is. So if you have food on your stomach, that's going to cause your heart rate to creep up a little bit more just as a baseline, which then when you start running, your heart rate's going to creep up a little bit. I'm not saying you can't or shouldn't eat before. I'm not saying you can't or shouldn't drink coffee before, but I'm just going to say that that can impact that can make it more difficult to keep your heart rate down while you're training. Um, obviously this time of year, I, you know, the heat can start to become more of a factor. So if, if it's hot and humid, um, that makes it harder to keep your heart rate down because your body's working harder to cool itself while also running. So the heart rate gets, uh, gets elevated. So if you can, if you can run earlier in the day when it's not as hot, things like that, that can help. Um, but, but there's no secret. There really is no secret. Um, it gets easier and then it gets to a point and I, I liked it. I'm kind of almost at this point now where like, I kind of have to work a little bit harder than I want to, to get my heart rate up closer to that 139 number that I talked about earlier. Um, not always. Sometimes I still creep over whether I like it or not. Um, but, but if I, if I just it, like, it used to be really hard to keep my heart rate below, you know, 142, 143 when I was, when I was a few years younger than I am now. Um, but now it's like, I don't have to work very hard to keep my heart rate, you know, at 120. 
I have to almost work harder to get it up to, to 135. Um, so all that to say, stay the course. And even on the hills in Georgia now, which I don't know if they're quite as bad as the hills in Alabama, but even on the hills in Georgia, um, I mean, it's it's rare that I find the heart rate going up over my, my target. In part because I just slow down. Sometimes I even hike the hills, not so much in our neighborhood, but some of the longer run hills that I go across. Just hike them. Just, you know, just know that that's going to be a thing. Um, and it gives me a chance to catch my breath a little bit, get a sip and, and then carry on. So, you know, you, you kind of figure out what works best for you, but don't, don't get frustrated. Um, don't be afraid to, you know, don't think that walking is all of a going to be a bad thing and not going to help you, especially for, you know, a hundred foot hill. Like you just walk up the hill and then you start running again. No harm, no foul. I promise. But, uh, good to hear from you, my friend. Hope things are well. Next question from Lewis. Oh boy. You know, it's going to be a groaner when Lewis starts putting some questions in here. Appreciate you, Lewis. Questions. Did you watch the Boston Marathon? Of course. What did you think about Kipchoge getting sixth place and now being 15 and three in the marathon distance? I mean, I think he's still the best, but if I, you know, like, okay, like he's still human as much as we might think he's a robot. He's still a human. What do you think about Evans Shabet winning it? Congratulations. I mean, he run it last year. It's not like he's a, he's not like he's a scrub. Um, I mean, the marathon's hard, you know, like, and especially when you're racing at, you know, whatever, two hour and two minute pace or whatever, like, I mean, like, I don't, I don't have thoughts. I thought it was a great race. Um, I think Kipchoge's still the goat. Um, I still think you take the field every time, right? Like, like you take the field, um, because there's so much that can happen so much that can happen, but you know, yeah, of course I watched it. Um, but thanks for the questions, my friend. And, and there you go. You, the, for, for the first time, you got some, some thoughts on the elites. Don't, don't get comfortable with that. We're not going to, we're not going to go down that route next time. Don't ask about London. I didn't watch London. Thanks, Lewis. Talk soon. Uh, next question from Michelle. I want to start incorporating plyometrics into my running schedule. There is conflicting info online as to when to do it after a hard run or an easy one. What do you think? So, oh, I mean, there's, there's conflicting information online because there's, it's not cut and dry. Um, plyometrics for those that aren't aware, it's, it's maybe the most intense, one of the most intense forms of, of, uh, strength training exercise, certainly when it comes to like kind of body weight, you can do a little bit with, with weights, but it's basically, it's like jump training. So it's like, you know, explosion, explosion, blah, 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 explosions, like box jumps, jumping up onto boxes, depth jumps where you step off of a box. And then as soon as you land, you like explode back up again. Like it's hard on the body. It is, it is physically demanding. Um, and so like the, 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 the idea of doing it after a hard run makes sense because, um, you know, you're already legs are already tired after a good hard run. Um, you, you kind of put push them a little bit harder, um, from a, from a strength training perspective. Um, and then, you know, hopefully like maybe tomorrow's a rest day. I don't really like that idea though, because, because of the level of intensity of a good plyometric workout, like I'm all about doing a good hard strength workout after a good hard run. I'm all about that. But plyometrics to me, unless you're really, unless your form is spot on, unless you're really, um, experienced with doing some pretty intense strength training, um, the risk for injury is too high. When, when you start getting fatigued, fatigued legs, because you just ran hard, you know, you did some type of hard workout, your legs are tired, your legs are fatigued, and now you're going to go and just slam them with plyometric. Like you're just asking for an injury. Um, and, and so probably it would be better to do it after an easy run, 
The problem is, is then you've got, you know, wrecked legs the next day or two after that, after just an easy run. So, um, I mean, I, I think that, that, that adding plyometric work into your, your strength training routine makes sense. Um, assuming that your strength training routine already is pretty intense. If it's not, you might be better off to start up in the intensity there a little bit. Um, so that the, the plyometrics isn't quite as much of a shock to the system. Um, and probably better to do it on something of an easy day than a hard day, just because the risk reward of doing it after a hard workout of doing specifically plyo after a hard workout, probably not there. Like you're probably at a lot more risk than you are at reward. Um, even though that might cost you a hard workout to do, uh, plyometric work after an easy run. Um, but if you, I think the benefits are there. I just think you need to to be real cautious with how with with not overloading the system too much, and potentially dealing with an injury. So I know that's that's a really it depends kind of answer, you know, chug a lug, y'all. But um, without knowing your the full depth of your training and your experience and things like that, it's hard to say with any definitive definitive definitiveness one way or the other. Which is probably why there's so much conflicting info online. Although there's probably conflict, there's there's conflicting information online about whether the Earth is flat or whether it's round. So I mean, you know, there's whatever you're looking for, there's conflicting information online. Um, but this one, it's really, really, uh, you know, that the this polar opposite of one size fits all as it gets, and maybe worth you know really digging in with somebody who kind of has a better idea of what you're training, like kind of making a plug for a consult call here. Uh, but maybe, you know, if you have a personal trainer, if you have somebody that you can talk to and kind of be like, here's what I'm doing, where do I want to mix this in? How do I want to do it to get the most benefit with the least risk? Because plyometrics are, are intense, are intense for sure. But, uh, thanks for the question, Michelle. Hopefully that helps a little bit and good luck with the plyometrics. It's good, good work. Um, just be smart with it. A little goes a long way. Okay. Um, next question from Corinne, best shoes for plantar fasciitis. Also best stretches and treatment to make running less painful. So the best shoes, for, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that there's a best shoe for, but it doesn't matter. Like, um, plantar fasciitis, like, oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, Corinne. I don't have a good answer for you. Um, stretch your calves, um, massage your feet, you know, get, get a golf ball and, and really just start going to work on them. Um, stre- stretching the bottoms of your feet. St- again, stretching your calves a lot, foam rolling your calves. Um, that's all going to be helpful. I am not a big, like, like the best shoes for plantar fasciitis it, to me, that's a band aid in terms of like, you're not really solving the problem. You're just masking it with some, you know, stiffer shoe that doesn't stress your, stretch your plantar fascia as much. Maybe it has a good, a, a, a big arch to kind of take some pressure off, which all can be helpful for working through things a little bit, but you might be better off to just take a couple weeks off, do some cross training and really try to address, address the issue. Um, I am, I am not the biggest believer that the shoes are the problem or the shoes are the solution. I think shoes are a tool. Obviously I think some shoes are better than others in terms of lower drops and, and foot shape, things like that. Um, and that's not just an ultra plug because ultra has been sketchy the last few years. Um, but just in general, like a, a low heel, um, relatively, you know, not, not jamming your toes altogether. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that there's a good shoe for plantar fasciitis. Like just address the plantar fasciitis and then you can get away with whatever shoes are working for you in general. Um, as far as best stretches to, or, or treatment to make running less painful. I mean, that's, that's so open-ended. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're not. I don't know what's painful. What's not, um, slow down, run easy, run easy more often. Like, I don't know. I don't know how 
intense your your runs tend to be. Um, but if you're if you're getting after it, most of your runs slow it down. That that right there makes everything a lot less a lot less painful, um, which also makes it a lot more enjoyable. So, um, but good luck, good luck. I, I hope that the the getting getting the the plantar fasciitis taken care of that can kind of help to take care of everything else. Cause if you're trying to, to, to run gingerly to protect your feet and you're not sure about the shoes, maybe you're trying different shoes and that's causing issues. Like get that, get the, get the feet taken care of. And then maybe just maybe that has a, you know, an impact on your, your overall form, um, gate, those types of things, which hopefully would solve the problem for you, but good luck. Good luck. Uh, next question from Chris. I love lists and spreadsheets. I have run 11 marathons and have a 50 K coming up in June. Can I count that as my 12th marathon? Also, it starts in Montana, but a majority of the races in Idaho, do I count it for both States? It would get me closer to a 50 state goal on the same topic. Would an Ironman race with a marathon length, uh, run would that count as a marathon? So kind of, kind of going back to, to Rob's question earlier, Chris, I mean, I think, I think that in general, like you get to make your own rules, um, although I don't think there'd be too many people that would say that if you started a race in one state and ran part of it in another state, but it was just one race, I don't, I don't know too many people to be like, yeah, that counts for two states. Like that's no, 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 That to me, that's the only one that's like, come on, man. Like seriously, it starts, it starts in Montana. The majority of races in Idaho, I feel like you can make, you could, you could claim either state. So if you're more likely to run Montana again in the future, you could be like, oh, that was Idaho. Um, or if you're more likely to run Idaho in the future, you'd be like, yeah, that was definitely Montana. Um, but both, I mean, you make your own rules. You do you, but to me, like, I, that's, that's no, you can't count one race as both States. Um, but outside of that, I mean, yeah, like I said earlier, you can count a, you count a 50 K as a marathon for sure. Um, you know, as far as an Ironman, I think, I think that would count as well. I don't know why it wouldn't. Um, again, assuming that it was a full Ironman, so it was a full 26.2 marathon leg. Um, I don't know why that wouldn't count. Um, but yeah, I mean, unless, unless you're going for official standing, you can make all your own rules. If you're going for official, I'm pretty sure the official rule is a race in multiple States can pick, you can, you can count it for whatever state you want, but it can only count as one state. Um, but I'm pretty sure a 50 K would count. And I'm pretty sure a marathon would count as long as, again, as long as it's, it's a proper 26.2, which obviously at the end of a, at the end of a full Ironman, it would be. So, um, so yeah, I think all that counts, um, so yeah, good luck. Good luck with that and figuring out your spreadsheets and your lists. And, uh, sounds like you're, you're well on your way towards, uh, you know, maybe probably passing me on the 50 state trek pretty soon. But, uh, thanks for the question, Chris, uh, next from Michaela, but actually from her son, Otto, how can I get faster on my walk intervals? Otto, um, this, this sounds like a ridiculous answer, but I'm telling you, my friend, it's the hundred percent truth practice practice. Like you're like, well, what do I need to practice walking for? You don't need to practice walking. You got that part figured out. But you need to practice like walking with purpose. You need to practice walking fast um, because that's different. I mean, we like you. You feel like you need to get faster in your walking intervals. Practice walking faster in your walking intervals. It's it's something that, quite frankly, I don't do. If I'm walking, I'm walking. Like I, ain't, I I'm strolling. I'm casually strolling. Um, but if you know, if 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 I wanted to get faster with you know some of the longer distance races I do, or I haven't done lately, but if I was going to do a you know a fifty miler or something longer than that, where walking is going to be part of the, the mix, you better believe I'm going to do some walking. Practice walking up hills. Practice walking, uh, just you know walking when you're tired. But like walk again, it's walking with purpose. So like you got to be intentional about trying to walk a little bit faster, pick up your cadence a little bit. You know you're not going to be down into you know some type of like 
10 or 12 minute pace of walking. But if you can go from a 20 minute walk, which is pretty casual, although your legs might be a little bit shorter than mine auto. So maybe, maybe 21, 22 minute walk pace would be pretty, pretty comfortable. Bumping that down to 18, 19 minute pace, like takes a little bit more focus, a little bit more effort, still walking, but that couple minutes per mile difference makes a massive difference when you're doing your, your run, run walk. And then your overall time is faster. So comes down to practice, my friend. I, I wish there was a better answer, but that's that's it. Practice. Also from Otto, I get a heart rate spike when I run. It feels like someone jolting my heart. How can I help my running and my heart spike problem? Um, my 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 hunch, my dude, is to is you're probably like taking off like a freaking you know, like you're shot out of a cannon. Taking off like the flash uh, when you start running. Um, so just gotta slow down. Easier said than done. I know. Um, especially when you're like rested up after your walk break and you're like, you're ready to get going again. And you're trying to make up for maybe walking a little bit slower. Maybe if you walk a little bit faster, it'll be a little bit easier to, to control yourself, to pace yourself with that, that running, uh, interval. Um, and then hopefully that'll keep your heart rate from feeling like it's, it's getting jolted, like it's spiking up. Um, and you'll be able to maintain a steadier pace there, which will then make it easier to walk faster because you won't be gasping for breath where you have to slow down to catch your breath. Like it all kind of does work itself back together. Um, I like the way you're thinking, my friend. So keep it up. Um, and you know, if you have other questions, just have your mom ask me and you know, we'll, we'll get it sorted. We'll get it sorted for you. Um, next question from Michaela, not Otto. Uh, why can't humans just do the thing that they know they need to do to make their running life or whatever better? <laughs> That's the million dollar question lady. You figure that out. You let me know. Cause there are more than a few things in my life that I know I should do. I'm just not doing procrastinating on. And, uh, yeah, if I got them done, it would make my life better too. So I'm right there with you, lady. I know, I know what to do. I don't know how to do it sometimes. And I don't know that there's a good answer. And I wish that there was semi-serious question from Michaela. Uh, how does one become a morning runner? Like it's going to be a million degrees this summer. I need to get out before the blast furnace starts. Um, I feel like I do have an answer for this. It's probably not the answer that you want. But it's just like, you just got to freaking do it. Like, like it's, it's, I don't know. I'm sure there's some people that just wake up at five o'clock in the morning. They're just excited to get outside. You know, it might be Kate Morgan. I don't know. Um, she, she's getting all kinds of shade thrown her way today. That's what happens when I don't run with her anymore. So she doesn't have to, you know, she, she can't punish me by, uh, you know, making a wrong turn and be like, oops, sorry. We ran 18 miles today instead of the 14 we were playing. Sorry. Um, but, but she always kind of she seems to strike me as just excited to go running as soon as she heads outside the door. Maybe not, whatever. Um, there's not too many people. I don't think that just wake up and like, can't wait to get outside. But at least I know I'm not that way. I am not that way. But I also know that like, if I don't run first thing in the morning, the odds of me running for any number of reasons, whether it's work stuff, whether it's um, the, the heat starting to become a factor as, as summer gets closer. Um, just, you know, life gets crazy. Like if I don't get my run in first thing, it's a lot less likely to happen. I also know that if I don't get my run in Mr. Pissy pants is, 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 you know, like my, my panties are going to be in a wad if I don't get out there and get my miles in, uh, you know, maybe I can miss a day or two, but like, I can't miss very many. Um, so, so all that to say, like, you just got to set for me, I don't know what you got to do. Um, but for me, it's just, it's, it's just set the alarm and freaking make it happen. Like it, there's no clever for me, none of the clever tricks work, none of the clever mind tricks. Um, you know, maybe you do some things in terms of like 
setting setting your 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 clothes out the night before so that you don't have to you know you don't have to turn lights on you can just kind of stumble into into your your outfit your running outfit and you can just head out you know without thinking about it maybe don't don't let yourself get on the phone set set up some of the 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 screen time restrictions or whatever so like you can't check social media until eight o'clock in the morning because then you that means you've got your run like whatever you can set some of those things up that may or may not help you um but I don't think there's a trick to becoming a morning runner. It's just like it's blunt force. Like you set your damn alarm. When it goes off, you get up, um, you put your stuff on, and you head out the door before you can talk yourself out of it. You know, um, you know, you got to take some time to use the bathroom, things like whatever you got to do. But like, don't let yourself get comfortable. Don't let, don't sit down on the couch. Don't don't open up the phone. Just do. And. And I don't know that it ever gets easier. It's never, I'm still, you know, it, it, however many years I've been a morning runner now, I'm still not like, oh, I can't wait until my run in the morning. Um, but I'm always glad I did it. And it always makes the rest of the day better. Um, and, you know, as summer approaches, it's always better to have it done than to be being like, oh God, I got to get out there and it's 8,000 degrees. Um, so you just, you just, for me, you just got to blunt force, make it happen. Um, easier said than done, of course. But that's, there's not, there's not a trick. I don't think to becoming a morning runner. It's just, just stubbornness, discipline, uh, whatever you want to call it. Like just make it, make it happen. Next up. It is that time once again for the Tom trifecta. First question from Tom. Now that you are a resident of Georgia, will you run the peach tree road race 10 K this summer in Atlanta? I doubt it. Um, I mean, I would, I would be up for it. Um, and I even have, uh, somebody who was on the podcast a while back that was like, you know, like I, I'm pretty high up exec at Coke and we're like one of the major sponsors. And so, uh, if you want free entry, not, not only, I don't know a guy, I am a guy and I got you hooked up. Um, so like, I feel like I could make a phone call to get a bib, but I mean, I don't like, I'll probably do it at some point. I'll probably do it at some point, whether I get my, my hookup or not, I'll probably do it at some point to say I've done it. Uh, will it be this year? I don't know. I mean, 4th of July tends to be kind of when we, when we had to go, uh, up to my parents' house to visit in Michigan, um, somewhere around 4th of July. So that, that throws a wrench into that race scenario. Um, so I don't know. I mean, this summer, I, I'll say no for this summer. It's not, it's not been something that's been discussed. It's not been something that, that I'm really seriously thinking about doing at some point in the future. Will I run the, the peach tree once? Probably. Will I be one and done? probably. Um, but never say never. Right. So, so we'll see, but yeah, I mean, my brother-in-law lives in Atlanta too. So like, I've got a place to stay. Um, so it'll probably happen at some point, but almost certainly not the summer of whatever year we're in 2023. Uh, second part of this question, which is tricky. Cause this means that Tom's really going for a four, a four pack of questions this month. We'll let it slide, Tom, but don't, don't get greedy. Don't make this a regular thing. Uh, second part of Tom's first question, what's it like to race in that kind of heat and humidity? I mean, pff, I, I, like, it's, it's just, you know, it just is. Like, it sucks. It's not fun. It's not pleasant. But, like, what, what's the alternative? I mean, I guess the alternative is to not race, right? But, like, like you live in the south in the summer, and, like, it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. Um Suck it up, buttercup. Like, you know, obviously you, you make adjustments. You don't, you, you, you listen to your body and, and you should do that anyway, no matter what the conditions are. But like, you know, you're probably not going to run some of your best times ever when it's 98 degrees and 94% humidity. Um, just cause like, unless you have, unless, 
I'm still waiting for my gills to sprout. And if I get some gills, maybe I'll be able to, to run a little bit better in some of the heat and humidity conditions. But, you know, you just you just dial it back a little bit. You, you, you push as hard as you can, but you recognize that as hard as you can is probably not as hard as you could if it was, you know, 50 degrees and, and, and 60% humidity or something like that. Um, and so, you, you know, you just, you just race, you just run hard. Uh, you, you run as, as intelligent of a race as you can. Um, and you know, I try not to, to piss and moan about it because uh, that, that, you know, that in a quarter will get me a gumball. So, um, so you just, you just make it happen. You just make it happen. Second, second question though, technically third question from Tom. I think it's great that you regularly post accountability updates for yourself and everyone. However, some of us have had some setbacks here in 2023 due to illness, injury, other issues. Do you have any advice or pep talk for those of us trying to get back on track? Um, you know, this is absolutely not easy advice to take. Very easy advice to give, which, I mean, I think you can make the argument that just about everything in the world is easier said than done. Um, but my advice is to to have, have a case of like short-term amnesia. So when you're coming back from some type of illness, some type of injury, you know, this kind of goes back to Kate's question, coming back to, to running after having her baby. Um, but, but it's so, we as runners can be so numbers focused, right? Miles, paces, uh, distances, et cetera. Um, but when you're coming back from some type of setback, like it's so, it's so easy to compare. It's so easy to get discouraged because it's like, well, hell, you know, two months ago I was, I was cruising along no factor at nine minute pace. And now I'm struggling at 1030. Well, okay. Like, yes. And that sucks. And that's frustrating, but it's only like by, by stewing on that and by focusing on what you could do before the setback and where you are now, whatever fitness you may have lost, like it's only just going to be more demoralizing. It's only going to make the process more difficult. So kind of maybe don't worry as much about the numbers right away. Um, don't worry about paces and splits and, and hitting workouts the same level or improved, improved levels of workouts. Um, and just get back into the routine, get back into the groove, build that base back up. And at some point, yeah, you can look back and some point you can get, start getting focused on workouts and numbers and paces and splits again. I'm not asking you to never look at those numbers, but not right away because you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, and that's not going to help you any. So kind of get back into running and, you know, start slow, listen to your body, dial back, yada, yada, yada. But the big thing is just try not to compare with where you were pre-injury, pre-illness, pre-setback, um, and where you are right when you come back, because you're going to be, you're going to be somehow quote unquote less than, and that's Okay. It's natural. It's normal. You'll get it back. But man, it sucks when you're like, gosh, I feel like I, I feel like I killed myself running eight miles. And like, you know, three months ago or last year I was running 15 miles every weekend. No factor. Well, yeah, things have happened. Things have changed. You are where you are now and be okay with that. Easier said than done. Absolutely. But that's, that's my advice. Last, but last but not least, Tom's fourth question in his, in his trifecta here. Uh, do you ever eat pancakes after your long runs? If not, besides coffee, do you have any special meals for long run days? Uh, no, Tom, I do not eat pancakes after a long run. No, 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 no. That's, that's not on the menu. Pancakes are not, I'm not sure when the last time is I've had pancakes. Um, they might be on the menu now because we, we've started, we have started. Rebecca has started uh, in the, the journey of uh, sourdough. So we might have some sourdough pancakes. I might, I might indulge in one of those on occasion. Not going to be after a long run. It'll be like Sunday brunch. Um, but in terms of like pancakes after a long run, no, 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 no coffee. Like that's, that's what we have. Maybe a little bit of amino co 
which we'll get into another sponsor here. This is a good, this is a good segment into the Amino Co. sponsor read. You know, you have have your coffee, take some of that the, the vanilla recovery blend or the my personal favorite, the chocolate recovery blend. Take a scoop of that into a big cup of coffee. Hit it with the with the the stick blender. The well, maybe not the stick blender. Hit it with the milk frother. Mix it all up, nice and creamy, thick. A little bit of little bit of amino acid recovery action. A um, little bit of extra flavor. Still get that coffee flavor though. Still got the coffee going on. Uh, good to go. So if you want to want to get on board the uh, the Amino Co Coffee Connection, long run connection, uh, aminoco.com slash disruns is the link. And the best thing about Amino, one of the best things about Amino Co is that whatever dietary things that you're that you're into, you know, you keto. Hey, it's it's keto. It's keto friendly. You know, no soy. We got you covered. Uh, no GMOs, of course. Wheat free. Yep. Dairy free. Yep. Vegetarian. Yep. Vegan. Yep. All, all of the things, whatever, whatever preferences or, you know, medically necessary restrictions that you might have to your diet, I'm pretty sure AminoCo ticks all the right boxes. So uh, you can check it out, of course, on the website. Um, but anything that you might be holding you back there, like, yeah, it's, it's going to be good to go. And then you don't have to have pancakes after you run. Although you might, you can have it with your pancakes if, if you know, if that's your thing. Uh, but AminoCo.com slash DizRuns is the link. Diz runs at checkout to save yourself 30%. So no, I mean, Tom, you know, back to your question. I don't eat pancakes after my long runs. Usually it's just coffee. And, and lately, if I'm honest, I've been having a square of dark chocolate as well. Um, and it's not like the super, super, I, I really like the super dark, bitter chocolate, but it's kind of more of the, the, the just right on the line of what's dark chocolate and what's semi-sweet chocolate, you know, so it's kind of a little bit, a little bit of sweet, a little bit of, mm, yeah, good, good chocolate there. Um, it's just like, just like a piece. Uh, and then, you know, later in the day, I, I, I don't really have any special meals, um, but I'm just you know, kind of more likely to, to graze a little bit more. Um, but I, I don't, I don't have strict meal stuff necessarily. And the weekends I tend to be sloppier on, on my routine and my dietary routine anyway, which is something that I probably need to, to improve upon or would like to improve upon. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just coffee. As long as I got the coffee going, everything else kind of takes care of itself. Um, but no pancakes, no pancakes, no, 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 no pancakes. Next, we got the hat trick of questions from Gary Joe, and he actually is only asking three questions. So there we go. There we go. We'll take that. Uh, actually, he tried to, to ask a fourth question, but we're going to ignore the fourth question, Gary Joe, about the over-under of the number of people drinking too much due to the drinking game. Um, although I guess we just addressed it, so I guess we're not, we're not whatever. First question from Gary Joe. Uh, real quick breakdown of fat adaptation because your boy Gary Joe has enough to sustain a small, a small village. So basically... You know, the, the, we're trying to keep it basic, trying to keep it simple. Um, when you're when you're burning, the, the the way your body creates energy, right, is either from from glucose, from the sugar that's in your in your body, the the, the glucose and glycogen that's stored in the muscles, or from from fat cells like that. And and we burn body fat for fuel. Um, in 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 simplest terms, it's easier for the body to burn glucose and glycogen, but it's more efficient. And it's not more efficient. It's it's easier with the with the glucogen or the, the glycogen, um, but if you can become more efficient at burning fat, then obviously, like I mean, all of us, whether 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 your boy has enough fat to sustain a small village or whether you're you know, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, I want to say Simple Simon, but that's the Simple Simon Metapyman. But, but or whether you're Jack Spratt, um, who could eat no fat. Um, You've got you've got plenty of stored body fat is where I'm trying to go with this poor 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 demonstration. Um, 
to, to sustain hours and hours and days and days of activity versus you've only got, you know, somewhere plus or minus a couple hours of stored glycogen to, to fuel your body via, um, via, via the, the, the glycogen stores. So the more efficient you can be at becoming fat, at burning fat, the more fat adapted you are, um, the, the more you're able to get energy from body fat, which means that you can kind of go longer without fueling. Um, there's some people that would, that would argue, and, and, you know, these are physiologists that are above my pay grade, but that kind of the, the, the cellular damage, the oxidation process inside the cells is cleaner, that, that body fat burns cleaner than, than blood, than, than, than carbs. Basically your mileage may vary. I, don't, I can't confirm or deny that. I mean, I've read that potentially by a sources. So it is what it is. Um, but basically, you know, you, and, and, and so how does that relate to running? I'm going all around in circles here. I apologize. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a weighty topic, um, to trying to condense it down, but you're, you're probably never going to be truly like 100% burning body fat or 100% burning blood sugar. Okay. Like it's always going to be a mix. It's always, it's always just like with a campfire, you've got some big logs burning. You got the little, the little sticks burning that help keep the big logs burning, you know, that type of scenario. Um, but if you can, if you can train your body to, to function with burning, uh, body fat more, become more fat adapted, which typically happens at the lower levels of intensity, which is a, a big piece of the puzzle with heart rate training in terms of not only building your aerobic capacity, but also building some of the, the fat adaptation type of situation. Um, then in theory, you can go a lot longer without fueling situations. So like I, you know, for whatever it's worth, I'm basically not worried about bonking anymore. Uh, because I know that like, like I've got, I've got plenty of stored body fat, stored body fuel, um, to keep me going. And I'm, I'm pretty decent at, at utilizing it. Um, doesn't mean I don't ever have any, any carbs, any simple sugars during a race. Cause I do, uh, but that's just more of a supplement than it is a requirement. So I don't know. That probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Like this is a, it's a super layered topic, um, with a lot of biases that go both ways. So it's, it's hard to find like real neutral research or neutral information. Um, it's also tough to study because, because becoming fat adapted requires some cha- uh, training modifications in terms of lots of easy miles. Um, and lots of runners don't like to, to embrace that side of things too. So it, there's, there's a lot to it. Um, but that's, that's the idea. The more that you can become more efficient at burning body fat, the easier it is for your body to do it, the less reliant you need to be on carbs, especially during exercise. Uh, second question from Gary Joe post run fueling. How long, what do you look for? And what do you stay away from? Um, you know, kind of going off of, of Tom's question. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't worry about those details. And, you know, at the risk of, of, you know, getting, getting told to stay in my lane again, when it comes to talking about nutrition, which I've had that, that discussion recently that I'm not a nutritionist, so I should shut up about it. Whatever. Don't turn the, turn the podcast off. You don't want to hear me talk about it. Um, I think this is one of those though, where it is, a, it, it is a really, a, it, it depends kind of answer. You got to find what works best for you. Um, I think, I think the best thing though, is to listen to your body. Like if you feel hungry after a run, then eat something, right? Like, like I don't tend to feel very hungry after a run, which is why I'm down with some coffee, a piece of chocolate and, you know, eating something else a few hours later. Um, is that like uh, optimal ideal for like maximum cellular rec- Like, I don't know. You know, I hit, I hit a little bit of amino acids in with my coffee. They're good to go. As far as I'm concerned, you tick in the box. Um, some would say no, some would say yes. Some would say whatever. Some would say you got to eat 
X amount of calories and X amount of carbs and X amount of proteins within 30 minutes or, or your, your SOL. I think that's a little ridiculous. Like, I think we, we, we've chased enough lions across the savannah, or maybe, maybe not so many lions. Maybe, maybe the lions chased us across the savannah, but we chased enough gazelles. We chased enough zebras. We chased enough wildebeest across the savannah in our, you know, early days as humans. And, and nobody was eating a, you know, slamming down a, a recovery shake right after they, they, you know, killed the, the, the antelope after a 14 hour persistence hunt. Right. So like, we're good. I think, I think our bodies are good. So I think, listen to your body. If you're, if you're hungry, eat, if not, don't, um, and you can make the argument, you know, try to eat as, as natural as whole food sources, you know, whether it's fruits and veggies, whether it's whole grains, whether it's, it's proteins, like whatever, whatever, whatever your dietary constraints are, whatever you, your, your preference, like, you know, like if you're hungry for bacon and eggs after your run, then eat some freaking bacon and eggs. If you're hungry for just fresh fruit and, you know, uh, a, a cup of coffee, then eat the fruit and coffee. Like whatever is hungry, whatever, whatever sounds good to you, whatever's appealing to you, like your body's got it figured out. And we don't need food science to tell us that like, oh, we need this, this specially formulated product again. Like, and I say that, well, I'm shilling amino cow, right? But like, like I don't, I don't feel like if I don't have the amino co in my coffee, that I'm like somehow, you know, I've shot myself in the foot. Like we're okay. But that, that, that fits me in terms of like, I'm hungry for it. It tastes good. It, I don't feel bad afterwards. And I feel like that's, that's what to, that's what to work on as opposed to an exact, this is what the meal plan has to be. And if you're like Tom and you like the pancakes right after you run, then eat the pancakes right after you run. It's all good. It's all good. What are you hungry for? Trust your body. That's the best option. Uh, last but not least from Gary Joe this month, complete foolishness question. You're stuck on a deserted Island with one Disney character. Who's your homie? I mean, it's gotta be goofy probably like, and, and, and to me, like, this is like the main, the, the VIP Disney characters. So like the Mickey's, the Minnie's, the Donald's, the, the Daisy's, the Goofy's, the Pluto's, you know, the, that type of crew. Like I'm not, I'm not going into like all of the different characters in terms of, of movies and Marvel and like, nah, that's, that's too much. Like we're looking at the, those main six or eight characters. It's goofy. Cause like it, it'd be goofier Pluto, but like Goofy's always been my favorite character. So I guess that's, that's gotta be who I'm with. And he, he crosses the, he ticks the dog box enough, but he also can communicate, which I think that's kind of cool. Maybe Pluto. I mean, Pluto would be a strong second because dog. And that means I don't have to, I don't have to deal with people. I can just have a dog with me. Like that's kind of a win. Maybe I'm talking myself into Pluto more than, more than goofy. I don't know. One of the two dogs. That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, but thanks for the questions, Gary Joe. Appreciate you as always. Um, next question from Melody. We're getting, we're getting close ish to the end here. We are not going to get to two hours. I thought we were going to be beyond two hours. Look at me. Look at me go. Also look at me. Famous last words, making a proclamation that we're not going to go 45 more minutes with eight more questions. And we might, we might, we'll see. Uh, next question from Melody. What are some of the reasons that runners decide it's time to stop running? I've been seeing a lot of runners decide it's their last Boston or London. I'm curious to know if it's usually because they feel they can't run anymore or they want to pursue other running goals. Are there other reasons? I, I mean, I think, I think this is, this is absolutely an, it depends type of question. Um, I think that there's some people that, that really struggle with the idea of, I can't run as fast as I used to. Um, and so, you know, if you've been running since you were 20 and you're 50 now, um, and, and you've definitely gotten slower and maybe runs hurt more. Um, I think that's a reason that a lot of people hang it up. I think that, I think that there's, there's the potential for, 
maybe you try other things. You know, I think, I think that if you're not enjoying it, you shouldn't keep doing it. So maybe, maybe you've dipped your toes into triathlon. You're like, God, I really like triathlons now. Well then stop, stop just running. Now you might still run a race here and there, but maybe you're not going to be focused on Boston or London anymore. You're going to be focused on Kona, right? So like maybe, maybe the focus shifts there. Um, you know, maybe there's health issues. Maybe there's, there's a whole host of reasons. Um, you get into, you get into mountain biking, you get into CrossFit. Like, you know, you just want to shift your, shift your focus. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe there's some people that like have, have get to a point where like, you know what, I've run all these big races. And like, now I just want to like run on the trails by myself and that's fine too. So there's a, there's a whole host of reasons that people can ebb and flow from the sport. I, I, I do think that, that there is probably some level of, of, you know, you're competitive and then you feel like you're getting slower. And even though you're doing all the work and like, and that turns some people off, not that it turns everybody off. And there's people like me that is like kind of embracing getting older. Cause maybe that brings Boston more into focus. Um, but, but ultimately, I mean, it's just like, if you're not enjoying it, don't do it. Um, and I think that you can, you can cease to enjoy the grind. Um, cause let's not kid ourselves. Sometimes it is a grind. Uh, you can cease to enjoy, uh, to, to enjoy the grind for any number of reasons. And if, and if that's the case, step back because, because thankfully it's not a per- it doesn't have to be a permanent decision, right? Like you're saying, Oh, I'm, I'm done running Boston. This is my last London. This is my last major, whatever. Uh, I'm done running for a while. Well, okay. And if three years from now you're like, God, I miss running. Well, guess what? Running's still here. Running's still here. So, um, you know, if you have other goals, pursue them, go for it. That's awesome. And if you want to come back, come on back. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what, everybody's got their own reasons. Just like we got our own reasons that we start running. We got our own reasons why we continue to run. And if, if, and when we, we decide to take a break from the sport, we'll, we'll probably all have our own unique reasons for that as well. But I think, I think chief among them has to be that it's not fun in however you, you are defining fun for you as a runner, which could be competitiveness, could be the social dynamic, could be races, could be a whole bunch of things. Um, but thanks for the question, lady. Uh, another one from Melody. Oh, and this one, this one, this one hits deep. I don't know if you, I don't know how much of this you wanted the answer for, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Do you think you'll always be a running coach, running coach, or do you have other career aspirations that you want to pursue? Um, I don't know. I don't know is the honest answer. I mean, um, I'd be lying if I said that I haven't at least had some thoughts in the last, I don't know, probably eight months, 10 months, something like that. Actually, even before we left Florida. So maybe in the last year of maybe getting a real job. And I don't, I don't like that idea. And I'd be real picky with getting a real job. It'd have to be something I could work from home on. It'd have to be something that I'd be, I would have to have a certain level of independence of like, if I got a job with somebody, like I don't need to be micromanaged, right? Like you give me the tasks, you tell me like, what are the expectations? I'll do my job. I'll get this, I'll get this stuff done. I'll go above and beyond, but I don't need to, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to work for, for some company that's like, I've got to be checking in every 45 minutes to make sure that like, and I have to be able to work from home. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about, I, I haven't been thinking that hard. I haven't been taking that many actions on it, but I've been thinking about it just because it's like, is this what I'm going to do? Like I'm 41 years old, right? Is, is, is this, you know, waves hand indistinctly at whatever it is that I do for a living between coaching, podcasting, whatever, like, is this what I'm going to do for another 30 years? Like, and I mean, it's not that I don't like what I do and it's not that I don't enjoy most aspects of my, I mean, it's still, there are still some aspects that are kind of work and it's like, ugh. But you got, you know, it's always going to be the case. Um, but like, I can't, I can't really see a scenario where I'd be able to retire before 70, at least certainly with, with as much money as I don't make. Um, yeah, like, like, 
you know, not that we're starving, of course, I'm not trying to say that, but like, you know, I, I feel like I could get an, a, a work from home position with a little bit of effort and, and you know, some time to, to find one. I could probably double, if not triple my income and like work less because I wouldn't be feel like I was working literally seven days a week, um, doing my own thing. Right. And so like, like, I feel like I could make a lot more money, um, and have a lot easier time clocking out for lack of a better way of saying it than I do now. Um, and it's again, not that I'm looking for something. Um, but if the right opportunity presented itself, I'd have a hard time probably passing it up. Would that mean I'd stop coaching completely? Probably not. Uh, I'd probably try to keep coaching on the side. It might, I might have to shift some things a little bit. We might have to have some discussions with folks I work with and say like, all right, well, you know, we got to change up some of the, some of how I work. And that might have to be part of the, the, the equation. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's all, this is all hypothetical at this point. Uh, but maybe that'd mean no more podcasts. I don't know. I mean, again, we're not there, but like, like I just don't, I don't think that realistically that Diz at 70 is going to be doing the same thing at Diz at 40 is because let's not kid ourselves. Diz at 30 had no idea that any of this was ever going to be part of the equation, right? So like a lot can happen over the course of 20 or 30 years. Um, and I could, I, you know, I think it would be, I think, I think there's a chance I could just be a, a running coach forever. And kind of, you know, as, as I'm getting older and as, as you know, people that I'm working with are getting older, we kind of get older together and we, we transition to a different phase of running. And, and maybe I kind of, you know, get into the, the coaching of runners who are, um, you know, have been running for 20 years and they want to keep running for 30 years more, but they're, they're 50 now. And maybe that becomes more of my niche. And, you know, maybe, maybe there is a way to, to make this, you know, continue to pivot, but make this what I do for the next 30 years. Um, and, and maybe, maybe there's not. So I don't have any like major aspirations. I don't have any, like, I, I definitely want to do this. I want to maintain working from home. Um, I enjoy the flexibility of, of schedule that like, Rebecca's out of town this week for, for her work. Like she's out for a week of, of working at the, at the home office. Um, and like, I've been able to single parent without missing a beat and like taking Addison to school and picking her up after school and like, you know, worked a little bit in the evenings and like, just had like, but I've got the flexibility to make it work. And I, I, I love that. Um, and yeah, I don't have anything that like I'm chomping at the bit to do, but Will, will this be, you know, do I, do I ride off into the sunset as, as a podcaster and a running coach 30 years from now? Like maybe, but if I had to say the odds, I'd say the odds are probably pretty slim that that's how it's all going to shake out. But I don't know. I don't know. To be determined. We don't know the future. We'll see how it all shakes out. Um, but there you go. Was that the answer you were looking for? What, what, what answer were you looking for, Melody? Were you like, oh, hell yeah. I'm going to keep doing this forever. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But thanks for the questions, lady. Another question from Corinne, any advice on getting back out there mentally after a particularly tough race? I've been getting back out there, but my brain is still at that bad race. Um, that's a, that's a tough one, Corinne, because especially when the, when the race doesn't go well, like it's so easy to, to second guess. It's so easy to try to replay, uh, oh, what I should have done this, or I should have done that, or I, you know, whatever. Um, and, 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 you know, at some point you do kind of start to get over that. I think that, that if you're trying to, to help make that happen, um, some type of change of focus could be, could be key. So, you know, if, if the, if the tough race was a half marathon and I don't know what it was, but just, just making up a, a, a distance as a scenario, then maybe you try to find a marathon to run, or maybe you try to find a trail race to run 
so that you're not, you're just so, so far out of the, the environment of the last race that like, it's, it's a little bit easier to shift focus to I'm running trails more, or I'm doing a five, heaven forbid doing five K. So you're focused on just hammering it and going fast and not worrying as much about endurance and pacing and things like that. It's just like balls to the walls from the start to the finish. Like, like, but just maybe, maybe getting yourself into a different type of running focus right now by changing, changing something up, changing the, the locations, changing the race distance, changing the goal. Um, and then hopefully you kind of work through by, by doing that, you're able to kind of distance yourself from like the disappointment of the last race. And then you come back and, and maybe try it again, whether it's the same race or a, a, you know, something similar. Um, but you're, you're, you're over that, that mental hangup, but it's tough. I mean, getting out of your own head, you know, kind of, kind of back to Michaela's question earlier about doing the things that you, you know you should do, but you don't want to, you can figure out a good way to get out of your own head. Let me know. Cause I've got, I've got plenty of mental hangups that I wouldn't mind a little boost getting, getting over. Um, easier said than done, easier said than done. Um, uh, but thanks for the questions, Corinne. I uh, appreciate it. And good, good hearing from you. It's been, it's been a little while. Hope, hope all is well outside of your plan or fasciitis, but hopefully that gets taken care of as well soon. Speaking of people we haven't heard from a while, Mona is back in the Q and a Q it's been, it's been, it's been a while since we've had some Mona questions and Mona, it is so good to have you back asking some questions in the Q and a, um, hope things are well for you out on the left coast and, uh, let's get into your questions. Shall we? So first of all, Mona says round of applause for all the runners who are coming back at it. All the new moms, all my friends who might be recovering from injuries and whatnot. You guys are admirable. Yes, you all are. Couldn't have said it better, better Mona. Thank you for saying that. Now to the questions. First of Mona's questions. Just watched Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I still think the movie leaves me with a bad taste. I'm still bawling over Cedric's death. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, what are your thoughts about this particular movie? I mean, considering it's a wizard school for God's sake, and no one ever finds out who the bad guy is, uh, in the house, except for professor Snape. Uh, are you a Harry Potter fan? So all the Harry Potter questions. So, um, I am, I am a tangentially a Harry Potter fan. Um, like Addison's read all the books a couple times and, and we've read, we've read through them as part of like going to bed stories, but like, We'll read, you know, three, Rebecca or I will read, you know, three or four pages and then Addison will go ahead and read two and a half chapters before she falls asleep. So like, I haven't read all of the books. Um, I've read parts of all of the books in different orders. I've seen parts of all of the movies because we watched all the movies after we read all the books or after Addison read all the books. Um, but there's, there was so much for me that was lost from like, this was in the book, but not in the movie. And then I saw the movie and like, how did they get there? And like, how did this happen in the book? And, and it's all kind of a blur is what I'm trying to say. Um, Goblet of fire. I, I saw something somewhere. Um, cause somehow, somehow I clicked on something. I got on the Harry Potter meme algorithm on Facebook for a while. And there was like this meme that was like, you know, ruin a Harry Potter book with, with like one, one, whatever. And it was Goblet of fire. And it was like, um, you know, Dumbledore saying, Harry, did you enter your name into the goblet of fire? And Harry saying, no professor. And, 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 um, Dumbledore being like, all right, well then I guess whatever happened, like you're not in it and like game over. So like, that's, that's always kind of the, my, my, my little lol about goblet of fire. Um, but like, I don't, I don't really remember all the details. Um, I, especially about the, I'm sure the, the I'm sure the book was better than the movie. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. All of those books are better than the movies. Um, the movie was fine, I guess. I wasn't really paying attention. Um, so, so I don't have any particular thoughts on that movie. Um, 
And I, I guess I would say I'm a Harry Potter fan. Like I, I, I never thought I would have enjoyed it as much as I did when we got into it. And, and maybe that's because Addison is like a t- uber fan. Um, I'm, I'm straight up Slytherin, like totally Slytherin. Um, so that's kind of fun. Cause I get to poke, poke at the, at the girls here about being Slytherin. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a casual fan at best, which means that I don't have thoughts on any particular movie or book. Like they're fine. They're, they're fantasy stories. Fantasy is not exactly my, my favorite genre. Um, but it works, it works and it's fine. So there's a very tepid thoughts on Harry Potter for you. Uh, next question from Mona. I am more hungry on my rest days. Is there science behind it or am I just finding excuses to eat more? But seriously, has anyone else ever expressed this? Um, I don't know that there's any science to it, but I, I am hundred percent with you. Um, like I'll eat some, I'll, I'll eat a decent amount on the days that I do my long runs, but like I'm, I'm, I'm often ravenous the next day, which is for me typically is Sunday, which is a rest day. Um, so I eat more. And, and I think, I think to me, it, it just comes down to like listening to your body. Like if you're hungry, eat. I, I just, you know, sometimes I think we get too, too overcomplicated and like, I need to eat X amount in this 24 hour period and forgetting that like our body doesn't know that like, Oh, from midnight to midnight is 24 hours and we need to eat our whatever number of calories. And then like the next day we need to do it. Like our body is just like a continual continuum. Right. And so like, if you're not real hungry today, you know, eat a little bit, but like, don't force, don't force feed yourself. And if you're really hungry tomorrow on your rest day, like your body is recovering from the work you did. It needs the nutrition. It needs the nutrients. It needs the fuel. Well then eat, you know, and, and, and try not to overthink it. So, but you're definitely not alone. I am, I am absolutely a hundred percent. Um, uh, maybe not a hundred percent of the time, 99.9% of the time, way more hungry on my off days than I am on my run days, especially a long run day, especially after a hard race. Like I'm not that hungry after a hard race the next day, feed me Seymour. Like all, I want all of the things might even have some pancakes the day after a hard race. Maybe Tom, just calm yourself. I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to have pancakes, but maybe, um, but yeah, you're definitely not alone. Definitely not alone. Um, Next question from Mona treadmill recommendations for the windy days or when I miss the early mornings and the sun's out and full on blazing. I'm thinking of Thessaly and some of the points she made to justify the purchase though. Um, just looking for something runnable and foldable. You know, I, I know that, that when we did the, the treadmill talk with Thessaly, we did that, that series a couple years ago. Um, she talked about things to consider when purchasing a treadmill. So, and I don't have the show number. Apologies. I should have grabbed that. Uh, but if you search, you can find it. Um, I'll see if I can find it here while also talking, which whew, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, but, but I think that, you know, like you can get, obviously you can get super fancy bougie treadmills that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. doesn't sound like that's what you need. Um, but you can also get, you know, try to scrape the, try to try to go budget shopping for, uh, for the treadmill. And then you just get a crappy treadmill that, that falls apart. And that isn't, isn't very good either. Um, so, so, you know, how do you kind of, um, I guess checking reviews is probably the best bet. Get something that's, that's decent enough that it's going to hold up and last. But if you're not worried about, um, you know, buying the top of the line, then you don't need to spend thousands of dollars. Um, uh, but look, you know, a good idea is to look for like Facebook marketplace or, or Craigslist or things like that for people that maybe bought a super bougie treadmill and they're like, ah, I don't use this very often. And so then you can be like, oh, well, why don't you, you know, buy it for a couple hundred dollars for a couple thousand dollar treadmill. Now you might be getting somewhere. So, um, maybe, maybe that is the best option, but look at, look at reviews, look at, look at what is, is available, um, and make sure it's, it's got a decent motor. Um, 
because I think that's kind of the most important thing. Um, episode 987, if you want to go when, when Dustin and I talked about uh, the accuracy of treadmill data and purchasing considerations. So there you go. Episode 987, if you want to go back in the archives and find that episode, uh, a little bit more detail from the treadmill princess herself. And of course, you can always ask her questions. She's she's always down to talk treadmills because she's ridiculous. Uh, but we love her. So ask, ask her any questions as well. Um, couple more questions from Mona. Next one. How do you prevent headaches later in the day after running? They only make appearances in the summertime. I do take electrolytes after the headache and I've been keeping a 30 to 40 minute short runs. It's not like I'm training or long distance uh, or doing long distances. What do you think might help? Um, It's at the risk of, of stating what feels like it's obvious to me. um, It's kind of sounds like you, 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 you know what to do. You just, you haven't put it, put it all together, Mona. And I say that as somebody who often knows what to do and doesn't put it all together. So again, there's no, there's no shade coming your way here. Um, but it sounds like it could be an electrolyte thing. And I, I've, I stumbled into this a few years ago where it was like after my long runs, like I just kind of have a headache all day. Um, and, and never any other, any other time. And, and definitely, you know, it was more of a summertime issue. And when I started putting more salt in my water and starting being a little bit heavier on the salt shaker, pretty much gone. Like I, I rarely have those, those kind of lingering low grade headaches all day. And I'm pretty sure it was just a matter of my, my electrolytes were off. Like I was off with the salts. And so it sounds like, it sounds like you, you, I take the electrolytes after the headache. Um, but if you maybe take some of those electrolytes beforehand, maybe you get out in front of it and you don't have the headache. So that would be my suggestion. Maybe, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, whether it's, it's some type of noon or some type of electrolyte replacement, take some of that beforehand. Um, again, just being heavier with the, with the salt shaker, uh, when it comes to salt in your food, things like that, you want to go all crazy like me and put salt in your water bottle. That's fine. Um, but I would just play with the the salt in your diet a little bit more. And I wouldn't be shocked if that's the issue is, you you know, it's it's summertime, you're sweating more, you lose more salt that way. You you get out in front of it and maybe the headaches just go away. That's and my N equals one is only an N equals one. So there's that. But that's definitely worked for me. And I've, I've had that conversation with a handful of other folks that's helped them as well. So get a little heavier on the salt day to day. You don't need to go overboard, of course, but just a little heavier there. And that might be just enough to, to keep the headaches at bay. Hopefully. Good luck. And last but not least, Ramona, how have you been? How's the fam and how's the dog? Any updates on uh, what, what you were doing with the posture? Straightening, straightening. I haven't been using that lately, but I have been. I've, I've gotten the update on the posture. Okay. So I don't, I haven't been using my little harness gimmick to hold my shoulders back. Um, but I have gotten a better stand-up desk. So before I kind of like had a half-assed stand-up desk that I made it myself. And so I wasn't up very high. So I was kind of hunched over, even though I was standing up, it was, it was a mess. Uh, but I have a better stand-up desk now so that I really can stand pretty much up. And I pretty much like, I don't even have a chair in my office anymore. Um, I just stand all the time, all day, every day. Um, and I think that's done as much for my posture as anything else. Like, am I perfect? Certainly not. Could I still maybe work on wearing the, the, the harness thing to hold my shoulders back? Probably. Should I? Maybe. Am I going to? Probably not. Um, but having, having the, the, the desk elevate a little bit more has definitely helped. Um, so that, so doing, doing all right there on the posture front, uh, family's good. Dog's good. Dog's getting older. Uh, but she's good. She's, uh, we, we made the, the, the necessary decision to cut her mileage back a little bit in the last couple months. Um, she was probably running right around 40 miles a week. She'd probably run about 25 miles with me, um, during the week. And then she'd run about five miles with Rebecca and about, uh, 10 miles on the weekend. So right about 40 miles, somewhere in there, um, during the weeks. 
and that just started, you could kind of tell, like not that she was struggling or hurting or anything like that, but you could just tell it was taking a little bit extra out of her. So she, she doesn't do long runs anymore. Uh, she only runs four days a week. So she's only getting somewhere between 20 and 25 miles a week. Um, and she seems to be, she seems to be like as much as, as much as I can, you know, um, what is it? Anthropomorphize or whatever, whatever it is as much as I can, can, uh, portray human characteristics on a dog, right? She seems to be accepting that and like understanding that like she can still run some, but she can't run as much and that's okay. So, but she's doing good. I mean, she's 11 and a half years old. She's, she's probably got somewhere in the neighborhood of 15,000 miles that we've run. I, I say 10, like, I can guarantee she's got more than 10,000 miles in the 10 years that we've had her. Um, she's probably got closer to 15,000 miles that she's run, um, just like on the leash run with us. Um, so she's got some, she's got some mileage on her. Um, but she's doing well. You know, she, I mean, she's old. She's getting older. Um, she's a little crotchety. You know, she's a little bitchy in her old age. Um, but we love her. And, and you know, good Lord willing, she's still got another handful of years left. And, you know, another, I don't know what she'll get. She probably won't get another 5,000 miles, but will she get another couple thousand miles with us? Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, as for the other girls in my in my family, they're they're all good. Addison's a hot mess. And, and you know, she's she's eight going on, definitely going on 16, 17, 18 years old. Um, full of sass, full of piss and vinegar, um, in, in a good way. Most, most of the time, um, Rebecca's, Rebecca's doing well, uh, digging her new job, uh, which I guess isn't that new anymore, but you know, digging, digging the, the gig she's got. And, and like I said, she's in, in North Carolina at the home office this week. Um, but she'll be back. Um, she'll be back by the time you're by about the time you're hearing this, she'll be back, um, you know, Friday, Friday afternoon and this go out Friday morning. So, um, you know, we'll be, a, we'll be a happy family again. Um, and I've been good. You know, I had, had a couple of little, little, little burnout issues recently, but, uh, you know, we're, we're getting through it one day at a time. Um, still maybe not quite right, but, but better, certainly better than I was a month ago recording this nonsense. So, uh, thank you for asking. And, and like I said, it's, it's really good to hear from you for, for a block of questions, Mona. Um, and hopefully, hopefully this can be a, a fairly regular thing again. Um, uh, but good to hear from you. I hope things, hope things are, are well with you and your family. And, uh, thanks for the questions, Mona. Appreciate you. Uh, last but not, well, two, two questions, two quickies to wrap things up first from Carla. How do I get my email to the top of the pile? Or did I miss your reply? No, Carla. Um, my email inbox is such a freaking disaster. And then when I've got three or four email inboxes that are all unmitigated disasters, it's just, it totally got lost in the shuffle on my end. Um, so sometimes I just need a reminder and a, like a public call out reminder in the, in the Facebook call for questions that usually does it. And it did do it. It did the trick and we got sorted. So I apologize for my delay, but, uh, thanks for, for passively aggressively reminding me to, Hey, reply to your emails schmuck. And, uh, I did. So that's how, that's how you get your email to the top of the pile is you become a squeaky oil, you get the grease. And I feel bad because it took me two weeks to reply to an email that took me two seconds to reply to So my bad. But uh, thank you for the question, Carla, and thanks for the email. I'm looking forward to our chat coming up uh, tomorrow or today as this episode gets released. And uh, last but not least, one more from Michaela. Have you signed up for the 24, the Pemberton 24 yet? Um, no, I haven't yet. But it's uh, it's 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 a distinct possibility, not a probability yet, but possibility for sure, to be determined. And I'm sure you'll be one of the first to find out. So there you go. That is April. Not two hours, but closer than, uh, you know, more than an hour and a half. So there's that. Anyway, lots of good questions this month. 
Uh, appreciate all the questions as, as always, what did you like? What did I get right? What did I get wrong? What was clear as mud? Uh, always love your feedback on, on this episode, on these episodes or any episode at this runs on Twitter at this runs on Instagram. Of course, you can also send an email. This runs at gmail.com. You can head over to the show notes for today. And of course we, we answered all the questions with some sort of meme or GIF or nonsense. Uh, so feel free to check that out. Disruns.com slash 1147. Disruns.com 1147. Amino Co. is a sponsor for the day. Thanks for supporting the sponsors who support the show. Uh, appreciate that. And in, you know, in this case, you're supporting yourself too, supporting your 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 health and your nutrition. Not that not that supplementation is necessary 100%, but it doesn't hurt. doesn't hurt to kind of fill in some of those gaps, make sure you're ticking all the boxes, giving your body what it needs to stay healthy, fit, strong, building towards your, your next running goal. Uh, aminoco.com slash disruns is the link disruns at checkout save yourself 30% and uh, with that we'll go ahead and wrap this one up y'all uh, if you want to get involved in the next month's Q&A be on the lookout for the post in the Facebook group uh, disruns.com slash Facebook will get you there or if you're searching on, on Facebook just search for the disruns tribe we'll let you in and uh, join the tomfoolery middle of the month there'll be a post you put your questions I do the answers bada boom bada bam that's how this particular sausage is made. And uh, my voice is going. So we're going to wrap this one up, y'all. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for the questions. And we'll do this again next month, eh? Anyway, till then, be well. Take care. Talk soon. Later, y'all.